in thinking of honoring our graduates and trying to just seek the Lord. I believe he put this message in our lineup. We've been working our way on the journey to Pentecost, uh, from the resurrection to Pentecost, and this is our next to the last sermon in this series, because next Sunday's Pentecost, and we'll be there and get to hear about the power of the Holy Spirit coming But on this journey, we go through a time of change and looking at graduation and thinking that I want to bring a message that's beneficial to the graduate, but us as well. And I believe if I was to poll this morning, how many of you have had a major change in your life? Most every one of us in here could lift our hand. All of us have been where Katie is and we've hit that change of graduation from high school into going to college and into adulthood. Looking around the room, many of you have experienced a change in life through the loss of a spouse or a loss of a parent. Many of you have gone through change of retirement. Or job changing and you know our life is filled with change. And when I look at change I think well what do I need to do? Change happens for a reason. There is change in life that is good. But what do we do with it? How do we handle change in our life? Would you like to know this morning how to handle change in your life? I believe we're going to look at these apostles of Jesus Christ that were going through a major change in their life. And there is something that we can glean from them. And I can guarantee you we can glean some because God chose to put this in his word. And when God's word speaks, his people need to listen. And today we're going to learn how to deal with change. So I'm going to ask if you would take your Bibles and open with me to the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 9. The book of Acts, chapter 1, and verse 9 is where we're going to begin. Would you please stand with me as we look this morning how to deal with change in life. Verse 9 And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky, while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way if you have watched him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. That is Peter and John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas. Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all with one accord were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women 
and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Father God, I pray now, Lord, that your servants are listening. Would you speak? Father, would you help my flesh to step aside? And Father, may I just be totally surrendered to you, that you may speak through me. Would you open our ears to hear Holy Spirit and soften our hearts to the nudging of the Spirit? May we hear from you this morning. And Father God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. How to deal with change in life. I tell you, if we could just master this whole idea of change and figure it out, we could probably sell it. But what I want us to do today is just get a couple of glimpses as to what these apostles did so that maybe we could look at our own life. And if we're going to handle changes in life, the first thing I think of is that we must deal with major changes in our life. You know, there's times that change comes in life and for myself sometimes, you know, I would just soon stick my head in the sand and not deal with it. But we must deal with it. And we must look at this because change does come. Each of us deal with changes in different ways. Each of us have different changes in our life. The idea of graduation brings up that change. We spoke about that. And and each of you have been through that change. Look there at verse 9. And we see that the apostles, they had a change in their life. It said, and after he said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on and a cloud received him out of their sight. Let's take a moment and put ourselves in the feet of the apostles. Jesus came along, they gave up their careers. Jesus said, come and follow me. They dropped everything. They followed Jesus. And for three years, Jesus began to pour in their life. Jesus began to teach them. He became the teacher. They began to see the miraculous works they've done. And then all of a sudden, one day, Jesus is taken before a Roman cohort. And he's tried and convicted falsely. And put to death on a cross. He comes off the cross and goes into the grave. All hope for those apostles was lost in their mind. Well, what has happened? He said he was going to be the Messiah. He was the one that was fixing to save us from this Roman emperor and all that's going on. They were devastated. And three days later, the tomb is empty and Jesus begins to appear. Can you imagine the excitement that they have? He's back. He's alive. But now they go through a change because Jesus has just given them in those verses ahead the promise of the Holy Spirit. He's given them a command to go back to Jerusalem and to wait there until the one I'm sending the helper, the parakletos, to come alongside of you and help you. And then it says that after he said these things, they're standing there. And all of a sudden, can you imagine, he just begins to lift off. And he begins to go up and a a cloud surrounds him, takes him up into heaven and they can no longer see him. He's gone. Their life has changed forever. 
the one that they were seeking to follow can no longer be seen. The path that they thought they were to take has changed. Everything they have dedicated themselves to has now changed. When we take ourselves back into childhood and into education, all we do for 12 years is to focus on graduating. All of our attention is poured into study. Mom and dad takes care of everything. Amen. No bills. They provide for the food. They provide for our shelter. But everything we're focusing on. And then we come to that day of graduation. We walk across that stage and get a diploma. And we go back to our seats. And they tell us to move our tassels over. You're a graduate. Everything your life up until that point that's been focused on has changed. Now many go on to higher education. But the goal of our life at that moment has changed. Everything we focused on. And we have to deal with that. We can't just stay there. We must move on. And you know sometimes. I hope for none of you. But for me God has to get my attention. Look there at verse 10. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going. Behold two men. And white clothing stood beside them. Now what do we know? This white clothing most likely gives us the idea that these two men standing there were angels. Now here they are. They're, they're looking. They're focusing. Jesus has gone up. They can no longer see him. And all of a sudden beside them two men in white clothing. I would say that would get your attention. But what happened? What did those men get their attention to to let them know that to deal with major change in your life is you must move on? Look at verse 11. They also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you watched him go into heaven. We have to move on when change happens. Have you ever noticed anyone or have you ever known anyone that just seems like they're stuck in a certain time period or a certain era? Maybe something happened. This is so happens more than we realize. Something happens tragically in someone's life and they don't deal with it and mentally they never leave that moment. They don't deal with the change. To deal with the change, to move on. I, I can hear these, these two angels in my mind. They, here they are standing up. Jesus done told them all of this. They've gone up. Jesus has disappeared and they're just looking. And he asked them very, very simply, but I, I can kind of hear him. Why do you stand looking to heaven? Jesus has commanded them, you go to Jerusalem and you wait, something great is coming. You see, when we go through changes in life, there's great things coming. 
I believe our church is in this change right now. I believe there are great things coming. I cannot help but not believe with the attack that has been going on with our people the last few weeks. Something is not being set up because God shows up and God moves through difficulty and when change happens. He said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way. They, many of the scholars debate on this and they believe two things about this. He'll come in the same way. Jesus ascended on a cloud in bodily form. Jesus will return to earth one day to take us home in bodily form. They also believe that he went up from the Mount of Olivet that he'll come back to this area. This Mount of Olivet is right outside of Jerusalem, just across the Kidron Valley. As it says, that it's a Sabbath day's journey. That's about three-fifths of a mile or so that they could walk at that time. It's just across the valley. You can sit there at the Mount of Olives, and you can look over, and you can see the Temple Mount, and you can see Jerusalem. Jesus had been there, and he looked over, and he wept. But you see, if we stay where we're at, and we don't move on, then things can't happen. If we graduate high school and we want to just stay there, nothing happens. We have to mature. We have to move on if we're going to handle and deal with major change. See, not just is it dealing with major change in our life, but secondly, we must continue to meet together. Well, what do I mean? Well, look there at verse 12. It says, Then they returned to Jerusalem for the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. This is Peter and John and James. And it goes through the list of those 11 apostles that were there. When Jesus went up and ascended to heaven, he told them to go to Jerusalem. They were already had a room in the upper room. And the angels came and said, why are you just staring and gazing up there? You need to move on. So what did they do? They left where they were and they went to where they were staying. They were together as a group of people. They were meeting in unity. We'll look at that unity in a moment. But they would come together. You know, there is a support group. There is something said about meeting together. What is this? This was their habit. It says where they were staying. They were in a habit. They were in a normal routine of meeting on a regular basis. They're staying in this upper room. So when a major life change comes, they didn't just instantly change everything and part their ways. They went back together and that means a lot for us as a, a church family. You have a church family. We're part of a church family and we need to continue to meet together. Why is that? Let's look at Hebrews chapter 10 just real quick. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24. It says, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. What is he talking about? There's coming a day that God's going to return, and he's going to take his people home. Amen? 
But until then, we need to come together. And the closer we get to that day of God returning, the more difficult life comes. I don't want to ask you for a show of hands, but I want you to think about how many of you deal with sin? Every one of us. And it's difficult dealing with sin. How many of you deal with difficult things in life? It's hard to go at it alone, but praise the Lord, we have a church family that we can come together and we can support each other. I'll be the first one to tell you, I need your support. I need your prayers. These opportunities that we have to come together as a church and to minister to each other uplift me. They strengthen me. They get me through. I know that within this group, if I need to call someone, that you're there. God didn't just say meet together because he wanted to fill a room. He knows that we each need accountability. We need the encouragement. It says there, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and to good deeds. We do that by not forsaking the assembling together. Let me tell you, it is so often happens. And Katie, I want to encourage you. Don't leave the church family. When you're in Monroe and you have to stay over there, there's some good churches. You need to find a place. How many times do we read the statistics of kids who graduate high school and drop out of the church? That is where we need. You know why it happens? Because Satan is out there and he knows. He knows the strength of meeting together. I debated on this for a little bit, but I want to read you something that was given to me the other day. I have done my due diligence to find the legitimacy behind this, and I have not exactly proven it, but I still want you to listen because there's a lot of truth in it, whether it was really written this way or not. Supposedly, C.S. Lewis wrote this in 1942. I just want you to listen. The young man to the devil... How did you manage to send so many people to hell? The devil, through fear. The young man, good for you. And what were they afraid of? Wars or hunger? The devil, no illness. The young man, did they get sick? Did they die? Was there no cure? The devil, they didn't get sick. They just died. And there was a cure. The young man, I don't understand the devil. They believed that the only thing they had to keep at all cost was life. They stopped hugging, stopped greeting each other. They left all human contacts. They left everything that was human. They ran out of money. They lost their jobs. They chose to fear for their lives even if they had nothing to eat. They believed what they heard read newspapers and blindly believed they were reading the truth. They gave up their freedom. They never left their home again. They didn't go anywhere. They never visited friends and family again. The whole world has become a huge prison with convicted volunteers. They voluntarily accepted everything, all this to experience another miserable day. They did not live. They died every day. It was too easy to take away their miserable souls. 
Uh, Brother C.S. Lewis wrote that, and I will let you know as I do more research. But the truth that we've experienced, even in our own lifetime, through COVID, churches shut down. People didn't come together anymore. They didn't have contact with other people. Because of that, our world fell apart. And because of that, there are many still not in churches today. Satan knew all he had to do was to divide. So it is very important to continue to meet together. We need this time. We need each other. You've got to have people in your life building you up. You know, when a a pack of wolves goes after something, it's not one wolf, but it's a pack. When an animal's attacked, if he's by himself, most likely he's going to be caught. But if there's a group around him to protect him. See, we have a shepherd, Jesus Christ, that brings us, he calls us together. He protects us. There's strength within the church coming together. So to handle change in life, don't stop meeting. We must still meet together. And thirdly, we see that these men were devoted to prayer. Look at verse 14. Then all these with one accord were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brother. I believe it was very important in that day. And um, we would say he was way ahead of his time. He said, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Women, when Jesus come along, were incorporated. In their day, women were considered property. They were considered what we might call a second-class citizen. But ladies, let me let you know, and Katie... You're important. Women are vital in this world. Regardless, there are still some countries and religions that don't look upon women that way. But Jesus says that you're important. He includes the women in here. Don't ever let anyone look down on you. Ladies, buying cake, when you're going for a job, don't let anyone look down. Just because you're a woman, you are mighty. And in God, you can have favor and you can have blessings. But it says here that they were devoted to prayer. What is that That devoted to prayer? To persistence in something. They didn't just do it haphazardly. They didn't just do it when a difficult time comes. They were devoted to prayer. They persisted in that prayer. They moved on. They continued in that prayer. To One puts it to busy oneself, be busily engaged, to hold fast to. But it says... That they were all in one accord. Unity. Unity is very important. Unity within a church. Does that mean that everyone in the church has to totally just agree on everything? No, I don't believe any of us are ever going to agree totally on everything. But we're unified. We make decisions together. And we agree with the church. We come together in unity. Why is unity so important? Because it's attacked. And why is it attacked? Because Satan knows the power of unity. Turn your TV on today. Listen to the radio. Open the newspaper. 
And I guarantee it's not going to take you long before you begin to hear something that's going on in Washington. Something that's going on within the law system. The Democrats did this. The Republicans did that. Biden said this. Trump said that. Harris said this. Look in their own local community. There's things going on. And do you know that Satan has got his popcorn machine on wide open? And he is sitting back in his recliner with his feet pulled up, laughing his heads off. Because all of that is causing disunity. And where there's disunity, it filtrates in. How easy it is to come into the church. You know, I heard this. Well, I don't believe that. This is happening. No, it's not. And when you can get people ununified, then Satan can come right in and he can have a party. Unity is important. Scripture tells us all throughout Scripture, don't rejoice in someone else's falling. You know how easy it is to see what's going on. And uh, poor old Washington's getting the blunt of everything these days, I think. But we look up there and we just say, well, I just can't believe he's doing that. And then something happens. We're like, man, that's what he deserved. The Bible just said that's wrong. Let God take care of the consequences. You know, I was brought this week in my private time into thinking and you know how many times we want to talk about all these people and what they're doing wrong and yeah they are and how much they're going to get what they deserve one day God can you take them out and then God said if you would just pray half as much for them as you do against them and let me deal with them You know, can you imagine what it would be like if everybody in Washington was a believer? Yeah, I heard it. I did too. (laughs) Yeah, right. It's possible. God's that big. But how many of us as believers put our mouth and our knees where we say they are and pray for them? Come together in unity. I mean, nothing gets done up there because there's two sides battling against each other. Nothing's going to happen in a church if there's disunity. We must come together. We must be devoted. Why is there so much power in prayer? Let's look, just turn over in Acts to chapter 4, verse 31. Listen to this. You want to hear about power of prayer. Acts chapter 4, verse 31 And when they had prayed earnestly, the place where they gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with confidence. You see, the reason for prayer is it filled them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak the word of God with confidence. Do we have confidence in our life? Do we speak the word of God while we're out and about? The power that we get from being on our knees. You know, I'm weak up here if I've not been strong on my knees before I get here. We're weak in this life, church. You will not get through the day the way you should if you don't start off in prayer. 
It brings power to us. It brings the filling of the Holy Spirit and that anointing. But not only that, someone else's life might depend upon it. Turn over to Acts chapter 16 verse 25. Story we've heard before about the jailer. And listen. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came an earthquake so that the foundations of the jailhouse were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were unfastened. And when the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors opened, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do not harm yourselves, for we are all here. And he called for the lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? It wasn't just an earthquake that night that happened. It wasn't by chance that these men are sitting in a prison cell with chains and clasp around their arms. No, they were praying to God and the power of God shook that place. And it opened up and it opened the way for a life and a whole family to be saved. They devoted themselves. We must spend time. You have got to spend time. In prayer, if you want protection, you want power, you want to live life, we can all get through life. I know many people getting through life. You're going to age as long as we're still alive on this part, but that doesn't mean we're living. If we want to live, it's got to be through prayer. These men devoted themselves. It has to be the most important thing. Worshiping God and, and speaking to Him through prayer. When you're going through change, there's always uncertainty. There's nerves. There's trembling. Oftentimes there's fear. But with prayer, there's peace. There's answers. There's one that comes along to help us. That one that in the middle of the fear... And in your prayer, you can begin to feel the arms of God just envelop around you and pull you in. See, we're going to have change. We've been through change. We're going to go through change. But we must deal with that change. We have to deal with the major changes. And to do that, we've got to continue to meet together we've got to devote ourselves to prayer and let me give you this promise if you continue to meet with the church and you devote yourself to prayer God will protect you God will get us through and we will experience a life like none other the only hope we have is found in Jesus Christ may you bow your heads Father God this morning we come to you Lord I know that Father Katie's going through change right now 
Father, all of us in this room have been through, are going through, or will be going through change in our life. It's part of life. But Father, there was a change going on back those 2,000 years ago when your word was written. They were going through a major change, Father. Time was changing as your son had come to pay the price for our lives and our penalty. He took our punishment. Father, and then he ascended to heaven. And Father, in this journey that we're going through, he said, go and wait. I'm fixing to send something great. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for that. Father, thank you that next week we'll be able to look at that. Father, you sending the Holy Spirit to permanently indwell your people. The hope, the power, the comfort, the fire of Holy Spirit. Lord, I just pray for each and every one right now. Lord, I pray for those that are not here. Father, there's many going through change right now, through surgery, through illness. Father, I just pray that you would comfort them right now. Father, that your hand would be placed upon them. Father, you would do a miraculous healing in their lives, a restoration in their lives. Father, I pray for us here, Lord, that you would touch our hearts right now. And Father, that the joy of our salvation might be restored. And Father, Lord, we would be constantly aware of your presence. That Father, we would fall on our face before you. That we would seek you. Father, you know my heart. I'm praying for revival of lives. Father, I'm praying for an awakening of those that don't know you. Father, there's change coming. Father, I'm looking towards you. I'm anticipating you. Father, would you speak now, Lord? Would you reveal in our hearts what it is at this moment, Lord, that we need to respond to you? Father God, I just pray everything in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.